My turn to start, huh? Yep. You know how I like to procrastinate. So I was just sitting here, like, just waiting for you to give me a look that you were kind of ready so then I could prepare to sit here for another five minutes while you say something. You're a big old bitch. Tell me I'm wrong. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't... Hey. What? episode 48 no fucking way of i'm sorry about the podcast i'm christina i'm amanda hey hey this is is awkward as fuck nielsen (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we're starting it perfect i mean i feel like that's an accurate description of my personality this is awkward as fuck nielsen (laughs) (laughs) it's better than hey guys hey guys How I started, like, the majority of the first 37 episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. For real. (laughs) No, you always start it that way. You go, hey, guys. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. And then you have to think of a new way to start it. So I'm just gonna, just gonna be me. Just hi. 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 Hey. That's my pickup line. Hey. (laughs) That's why I'm single. (laughs) Fucking good one. (laughs) That's how most people just start conversations. (laughs) It's weird. Just just gonna sit here, furrow my brow, and rub my nose for a second. Dude, my fucking eyes hurt so bad from driving in the whiteout conditions to get here. A whiteout? Yeah, it's a ground- there's like ground blizzards happening. Oh. So it's like real fucking white. I suppose from the wind. From the wind? From the wind! It snowed again a little bit here this morning, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I don't want it. If it snows anymore, Nielsen's gonna say, just kidding. So, uh, I just, this, that's how I feel. Seasonal depression kicking in? Yeah, dude. Just, January's the worst. It feels like it's January 74th. Like, it's the longest month out of the year. Everything sucks. You're fat from Christmas. Uh-huh. Just still bound up full of cheese from, like, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You're confused because you're still trying to get back into the routine of things. <laughs> Everybody's sick, mm-hmm. so you're desperately trying not to get sick. It's the coldest fucking month in it's Minnesota. the fucking worst. I hate January. Let's just- I'm just gonna- Controversial statement. I'm gonna fucking say it. I hate January. <laughs> this is our new our new podcast called I'm Gonna Bitch About Everything. <laughs> Um, enjoy. <laughs> no, this is our new <laughs> new podcast called Grumpy Old Men, where we bitch about the fucking weather. <laughs> yeah, the north the north south roads are fine, but the the east east west ones those ooh. those are blowing real good today. Those are rough. They're those drifting. drifts are hard, hard, hard. That's what I fucking said. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sakes! All right, well that was a good conversation. That's probably. A majority of it. I'm not gonna make it in there because we started rambling on about stupid weather things. Oh, I'm fucking leaving it all in. Enjoy that. Also, y'all are lucky because we were maybe not gonna record this week because of this fucking weather. And I made it. I made it in. I flew in. No, I didn't. I drove. And we fucking drinking tonight. Hey. Yeah, we are. Watch for vids and pics. (laughs) Jesus. I brought my uh, plaid vest that my mom bought me for Christmas, so I might look like a lumberjack tonight. We'll see. I have not even thought about what I'm going to wear because I'm wearing sweatpants now, and that makes me happy. I'm wearing leggings, 
a black tank top, a black zip-up sweatshirt, and I might put on my vest. Otherwise, I'm just wearing the zip-up sweatshirt. Thinking maybe a vest would be good. Just break up all that black. I mean, it's pretty much what you're wearing now, so why even black change? Black <laughs> It's what I wear. I don't just, fucking know. I never have to match anything, because it all matches. Hey. If I spill food on myself, you really can't see it usually. Hey. Hey. How was your week? It was good. Just gonna, my gonna week was. Forward. <laughs> we're done talking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my week was. <laughs> it was fine. It was busy. People were still super sick, so it was super busy. And uh, but I took Friday off because I didn't want to go to work because so. I don't want to because I didn't have to. Yeah. No. That's. How's I mean, <laughs> What do you rose from the Titanic? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bitch, don't act like you know Rose from the Titanic. I fucking did know it. I just didn't, you didn't know say it though. You didn't say it though. When we're acting something out and you think it's that something, fucking say it though. I don't know if we talked about this on the last episode. I know we talked about us being reigning champions of gestures, but one of them in specifically, Amanda was acting out the word Rose and she was reenacting the end of Titanic when Rose. Drops the heart of the ocean and she she uh, <laughs> drops it into the ocean. She was doing it. The timer runs out and I was like, man, all I could think about is Rose from Titanic. And she like Slams slammed her hands on the table. That's and she's like, that's what it fucking was. <laughs> it's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> it's, every single word that she just said is true because I was so mad. I'm like, I know you're... Because I tried to act out rose first, like cutting the rose, smelling the rose, putting it in a fucking vessel, and we put it on a corsage, and she's just staring at me like, what are you fucking I, doing? I don't, I don't know, know what, what you're doing. doing. So I was like, you know what she's gonna get? Rose from Titanic. So, <laughs> nothing. She didn't say anything until after the timer. <laughs> After the timer. She's really bitter about it. I'm still mad. We still we fucking won. Calm yeah. down. But we could have won so fast because that was like four. <laughs> it was the end of our thing and we would have had four and we would have won. We won five and zero, man. It was a five out of five games. We won them all. Yeah, but the only person I'm competing with is myself. <laughs> so. Jesus. <laughs> got some fucking deep shit happening right I now. To, I have to do better, which means if you're on my team, you do better. Be better. <laughs> That's my newest saying in my I need class. I blankie. I'm cold. My newest saying in my class is... No, I got a blankie. Okay, we'll, we'll I'm stop. I'm listening. No, the newest saying in your class. Go, say it. So they've been terrible the last couple weeks. I've had every teacher complain to me about how they don't listen to them and they only listen to me. And my boss even came and talked to me yesterday about how they're running amok. And I am tired of it so i started coming up to them and when they're doing something i just look at them and i go do better <laughs> better than what you were just doing just do better i don't it doesn't have to be perfect better is what i'm shooting for at this point because i am so tired of hearing how how naughty my kids are with them. I don't I'm like, well, grow how... a fucking pair of balls and right. put them in their place. Tell them they need to sit down. Put them in the office. I'm not there to do that, so you have to. That's why they listen to me, because they know that I mean business and that I'm consistent. Right. I don't understand how... Why is it your problem if other teachers can't control the kids? I don't know. But it is, apparently. They, like, 
call me from other rooms to come talk to my kids. I'm like, that's your problem right there. You're undermining your own authority, authority. in the room. Yeah. But I do it. I literally lean into the rooms and I look at them. I say their name and I just give them my, you know, the look. Get your shit together look. Yes, that's the get this your shit one, together look. Like, are you kidding me? Get your shit together. <laughs> and they just, sorry. It's like, and they go apologize to the other. I don't even have to say words. I just look at them and point. <laughs> and they go apologize to the other teacher. And then they sit down in the quiet space because they need to calm down. We have a routine in my room. <laughs> when you don't make them do what they're supposed to do. Mayhem occurs. They're in the small group for a reason. They're a handful. It's just what it is. <laughs> I just, I don't understand how you're like, okay, cool. Be a teacher, grow some balls, and discipline. Well, and that's, and it's fine, like, if once in a while it's, like, overwhelming. And my boss came and talked to me and was just like, so I guess they're kind of having hard times in other rooms. Like, I don't know if you have any suggestions for them. So it wasn't like a, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm aware. I'm, I'm told every single day the last two weeks how every time they come in their room, they're wrestling and throwing and kicking and making noises. And I know, I hear all about it. She goes, oh, and I'm like, and just so everybody's aware, it's not just in their class. They do that in mine too, but I don't think it needs to be talked to the boss about because it's just kid behavior. You just mm -hmm. need to correct it. She goes, see, and that's, she goes, I just don't know. I didn't know if it was like a they're just doing that mm -hmm. in these other rooms I'm like no, no they just i just tell them what to, i i correct it in right. my room like well, they you, know not they know they fucking know what to do right exactly you know? well and that's i have a stop sign that's my calm down space so if ever anybody's getting overwhelmed because some of them get like overstimulated and then they freak out and get like cry or hit or run around or whatever if anybody's getting to that point, I ask them to go to the stop sign. So they go to the stop sign, and when they're ready to talk about why it's not okay to run around the room or hit your friends or scream in the class or whatever, mm -hmm. they come and they talk to me, and then they can go continue playing. Right. But they have a space to calm down. <laughs> but, okay. Enough about that. Enough about that. Let's talk about murder. Cool. You got a story? I do, but we got to pause so I can fix my microphone. It's okay. I want to... It's probably not done yet. Okay. <laughs> Alright, should we... Fucking jump in? Fucking do this shit? Jump into this fucking... Cavalcade of... Terrible... Mischief? <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to be you. It's like we're in a gong when you do that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I feel like we should look like a cartoon that gets hit and is right next to a gong. Yeah, and we're like, Ugh. You see the vibration yep. marks? <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about Lizzie Halliday. Halliday? Yeah. Okay. Do you know her? I. You I, know how I am with names. I don't think you do. I don't think you do, so don't even act like you know you this might. bitch because I feel like you don't. Okay. <laughs> so Lizzie Halliday uh, was born Eliza Margaret McNally. Okay. She was born in Ireland in 1864 and immigrated to the United States in 1867. Okay. She left home while still a teenager 
after numerous physical altercations with her family members. Oh. So she was very violent and very, like, manipulative. She's feisty. Bitches be cray. (laughs) Um, So then she kind of went roaming around the upper eastern United States until about 1879 when she married Charles Hopkins in Pennsylvania. The couple had one son, but then in 1881, Hopkins died suddenly and McNally was a widow. God bless you, my child. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh. Uh, in 1881, then Hopkins, after Hopkins' death, she married a pensioner named Artemis Brewer. 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 But he also died less than a year later. Uh, her third husband, Hiram Parkinson, left her within the first year of their marriage. Uh, and by left, the he went missing without a trace. Oh, so he just disappeared, but she said he left her. Yes. Okay, so she's killing bitches. Maybe. That's, uh, that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. So then Lizzie went on to marry George Smith, who was a war veteran who had served with Brewer. So she's fucking his friend. Then after a reported failed attempt to kill Smith by poisoning him with arsenic, she fled to Bellows Falls, Vermont, uh, along with all of his money, to avoid conviction. Okay, okay. She then married a Vermont resident, Charles Playstell, but she then ran off two weeks later with all of his money. (laughs) What was that sound? Uh... I have a leaky faucet. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden just very clear. Whoop! <laughs> yeah, no, and if I don't turn it so it's not into water because I have my bowl that I ate out of this morning soaking, it just goes. <laughs> okay, so she married another dude, stole all his money, fucking bounced. <laughs> Whoop, see you later. <laughs> After the failed attempt to kill him, right? No, that was the other guy. Oh, so, so this guy's still alive? We're four husbands in. Right. But this one that she stole from is still alive? Yeah, the one that she attempted to kill and then stole all his money. Uh-huh. Then she fled to Vermont, married another guy, Charles Playstill. Okay, yep. And then bounced out of there two day- two weeks later with all his fucking money. Dude, she's on the move. Yes. So then in the winter of 1888, she resurfaced in Philadelphia, and she turned up at a saloon on Front Street that was run by the McQuillans. Um, which were friends she knew from Ireland. Uh, She was going by the name Maggie Hopkins, and with the money she stole from her previous husbands, she set up a shop, which she then burned down in an insurance scam. But she wasn't smart about it and was convicted of burning it down for the insurance money. (laughs) They were like, bitch, you burnt this. (laughs) Like, you, I watched you set it on fire twice. Because the first one didn't work. You can't. Hey. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> she was then sentenced to two years at Philadelphia's Eastern State Penitentiary. During her imprisonment, McNally's son, who had accompanied her during all of these... So she was just dragging this kid along. Huh. Uh, was carted off to a juvenile institution and was permanently institutionalized because of all of his violent tendencies. Oh. Uh, she... He was, like, very violent, trying to beat people and causing mischief, and so they institutionalized him permanently. Causing just general mischief. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, When she was released again, she changed her name to Lizzie Brown, 
and found employment as a housekeeper for an elderly widow, Paul Halliday. He was, um, he lived on a farm in Sullivan County in upstate New York. Oh, her name was Halliday. I was like, dude, I know that last name. Did we just say that? (laughs) Was that one of the guys? We ran through so many fellas all at once. I'm like, wait, was that? We'll get there. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) Okay. Um, he was 70. It didn't say how she was, how old she was, but she was born in 1864 64. and it's 88. So she's in her 20s. Um, 1864 to, yeah, 24. Yeah, he was 70. Oh. So she married him mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and was living on the upstate farm in New York with both of his sons. Okay. Um, and so she married him and changed her name to Lizzie Halliday. At some point... Um, their marriage basically just turned, uh, to, I don't, I just, all of a sudden my brain just stopped working. My whole brain just shut down. It's like I it had to reboot. Like, what just happened? <laughs> Chrissy? <laughs> so okay? <laughs> I'm like reading the words, but like what I'm trying to say didn't come out. And then all of a sudden I just was like, their marriage turned to, uh... <laughs> Uh, like, <laughs> I just like look around your microphone like, hey, hey, <laughs> you okay? had a stroke or what? What's happening there? It's like my whole body just rebooted and just turned back on. <laughs> or like when you're working on a computer and all of a sudden it like freaks out and turns off, turns back on. Yeah. It's like, it's oh. like oh. That's what my brain did for oh, a second. We okay. just needed to, re- to reload. Reload. <laughs> it's buffering. My brain was buffering. <laughs> Are you on my Wi-Fi? Because my stuff's been buffering a lot lately. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so their marriage was like a nightmare. Um, It was basically... The word you couldn't say was nightmare? No, that's what I was just trying to get out. It was just like, they did not have a good marriage. Like, my brain... I'm telling you, my brain just started buffering. It's right here in front of me. I could have just fucking read it. It's not like I was searching for the fucking word. I was like... You just stumbled on nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was some weird word. That no, you're like, wait. Uh... No, my literally, my brain just okay, turned I'm off sorry. for a second. I'm, sorry. I'm not. I wasn't joking. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I believed you, but when I you said the it. actual sentence that you were gonna say, I was like, that is just a normal sentence. That's not even like a, I had to rethink for a second, so then my brain shut down. <laughs> nope. Uh... <laughs> okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, basically their whole marriage was marred by Lizzie's sporadic spells of insanity, is what they were called. Spells of insanity. So bipolar? Um, they don't really know. No borderline? Uh, but within two years, the Halliday's family house and barn had been burned to the ground. <clears throat> Lizzie was suspected of setting the fires. Weird, okay. At some point, she stole the in- the team of workhorses from her neighbor with the help of a na- or from her husband with the help of a neighbor- Drove them to Newburgh, New York, where she sold all of them. She was arrested for st- thieving, but then her husband, um, like, recalled the charges and she was acquitted of the, cr- the crime on grounds of insanity. Okay. Um, so do you think, was her husband, like, just infatuated with her so he was fine with it? Or do you think he, like, loved her and understood that she had her moments I, and kind of just... I don't really know. I mean, he was a 70-year-old man with grown-ass sons. Or maybe so he just maybe didn't have the energy to fucking deal with it. He just liked the young coochie and... <laughs> it's cool. 
Just want to stick it in that golden vagina. <laughs> just let her get away with all the crazy because she. Was it's fine. She's him. banging me. So she was. He was. She was taking the old D. I don't know. But is I mean Viagra was that a thing then? Like no. could he even? Maybe he was just vi- viral. I was gonna say viral. viral. <laughs> I was like, Maybe he was just viral. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean hmm. that, that could work, but I hope not. <laughs> It gets worse, though. So on okay. May 6th, 1891, uh, Halliday, or Lizzie burned down a portion of the Halliday family home again. Then on May 26th, she burned down one of the other large barns on the farm. Barns on the farm. And then that was in 1891. Okay. And then in 1893, she burned down her husband's mill while his son John was inside it. John, who was disabled... Died in the fire. Oh, no. And McNally was arrested. She was deemed insane and sent to an asylum. But she wasn't very... I said McNally because that's her maiden name. But no, I'm, I'm I got sorry, you. Meant... Kind of, well, it, it kind of differentiates between her and, and her husband. And just as a disclaimer, else. everybody, I was drunk when I wrote these notes, so... <laughs> <laughs> she was wine drunk. My dad got me wine drunk. And she drunk failed at Domino's. During the... Hey, I was winning! Zero points means that you want the lowest score, motherfucker. Um, oh, so it's like golf? Yeah. But if so, you get zero in golf, you're not even playing. So no. <laughs> um, Facts. <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, so Lizzie was deemed insane, sent to an asylum, but she wasn't there that long when uh, the authorities claimed she was cured and Paul Halliday came and got her. So she burnt her his son to death. Mm-hmm. They, they were like, I mean, because she's crazy. It's fine. And they said, no, she's she's cured now. She can go home. Yeah. Yep. I mean, after all the other weird things, like I get it. Yeah, she's fine. So then, in August of that year, um, Paul Halliday mysteriously disappeared. Neighbors and family who witnessed. Uh, Lizzie back on Halliday's farm at the same time as his sudden disappearance feared the worst and contacted the police. I wonder what happened. Who could have done such a thing? This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) With a search warrant in hand, uh, the Sullivan County lawmen went searching the farm. And instead of finding Mr. Holliday, they found Margaret and Sarah McQuillan. The lifeless bodies of the two Irish immigrant sisters were buried under the hay in one of the barns. So they had come to visit her. Yeah. And they had both been shot with a thirty-two caliber five-shooter. So she just killed them and buried them in her barn. She's just fucking killing people? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it seems like she might be spiraling out of control, but... So, the police kept searching the the premise, and then a couple days later, the stench coming from beneath the floorboards of the Holiday House drew the attention of the police. They found the mutilated body of Paul Halliday. He had been shot, but his body had been horrifically tampered with, like they compared it to Jack the Ripper. Oh, so she ripped him apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, when questioned, McNa- uh, Holiday spoke gibberish and tore off all her clothes. <laughs> I mean, that's my first go-to. Like, like if she wasn't crazy, say, but... she was very, like, ingenious. Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna speak gibberish and rip my clothes off, because they're not gonna know what the I fuck know. to do. <laughs> 
That so, was me getting naked, so hold on. It was kind of spread 50-50 as to who, if they considered it her faking insanity or she was actually off her rocker. Girl, but you cray. During her first few months of incarceration, she refused to eat, attacked the sheriff's wife, set fire to her own bed, tried to hang herself, tried to cut her own throat with broken glass. When they asked her why, she said, I just wanted to see if I would bleed. Uh, her jailers were actually forced to chain her to the floor during her remaining months. So for like three to four months, she was chained to the floor of her cell for her own safety. Hold on. And after this, she was deemed cured and sent no, out? Okay, thank was, this was the after. fucking God. This was, they found Paul Halliday's mutilated body and they arrested her. Oh, no. And this I, was after that. Oh, I know, but I'm saying, and watch, now they chained her to the floor for the remaining three months and then just... That was up until the court is what I meant. Uh-huh. Sorry. I was like, and then just... Go ahead. <laughs> they didn't let that bitch Bye. out. Well, they kind of did. I'll get there. <laughs> okay. So, there was basically a media field day around this in the 1800s, as much as there could be. Um, they described her as the mad murdering Irish woman, Lizzie Halliday, the worst woman in the world. Um, Sam, some tabloids claim she had killed people in Belfast before she had come to the States. Um, Robert... Paul Halliday's son said that they should he should look at her for Jack the Ripper. Oh but yeah, because I, it's around the same time and she came. Name. But there's absolutely no nothing tying her to the Jack the Ripper no. cases. But when they asked her, the investigators asked her if she had any part of that, and her response was, "Do you think I'm an elephant? That was done by a man." <laughs> So is a man an elephant? <laughs> yeah. I, I just had to add that in there. Or is she talking about trunk, dick, comparison? Yeah, I don't know what that was. But because she had mutilated her husband so severely, they asked her. And I just thought that was a I'm f- just, Do you think I'm an elephant? I'm just imagining the newsboys being like, her name's Lizzie Holiday, see? <laughs> she, she killed her husband. She, she ripped her husband up and yeah. buried him in the wall, you see? You see? <laughs> See, get a paper. Five cents. I don't know. We do good newsboys and good 18th century <laughs> judges. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like a pirate, too, but it's fine. It's a little bit. You know, it's fine. <laughs> so, also within the news, the revelation that she'd been married five times before she wed Paul Holiday, that two of her husbands died less than a year after their weddings... That li- and that Lizzie had tried to poison a third led the press to speculate that she was responsible for the at least six deaths. Right. Uh, whether these men died natural deaths or were murdered, it's not known. Um, but she, Robert insisted that she had another husband in Belfast that she had managed to conceal the crime after she'd murdered, but there was no well, proof or anything. Well, I mean, it's reasonable to, to think that she was responsible for these other deaths if that's how crazy everything went out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. It's it it would I would assume that she was Black Widow killer and had been right. killing all her husbands. Uh so on June twenty first, nineteen eighty four, Halliday was convicted at the Sullivan County over and terminer court for the murder of Margaret McQuillan and Sarah Jane McQuillan. 1984 or 1884? 1894. Okay. I 
dyslexia. Yeah, you switched them. I was like, wait, I'm confused. (laughs) She's really old. (laughs) (laughs) She's really old. So she was convicted for Margaret McQuillan, Sarah Jane McQuillan, and her husband, Paul Holliday. Mm-hmm. Um, and was the, became the first woman ever to be sentenced to death by electrocution via New York State's newest acquisition, the electric chair. Ooh. Upon hearing the verdict, she lunged for Sheriff Harrison Beecher and bit his hand. And there were conflicting reports about this, but... It was said that his hand got infected and it actually had to amputate it because it was such a severe bite. Jeez. But then the other part, people said it was just like he, it was like, it got infected and it was like. Swelled up. It was like a club hand. Like he didn't get amputated, but it was useless. I just beat people with it because I can't feel it. Right. So, it's just my club. This is my strong hand. You want some help you. potatoes? My germs! <laughs> mm, that's good. <laughs> Take my strong hand. J- just, just give me the other hand. No, this my strong hand. You need to. T- this was not as okay. strong. Take the strong hand. All right, back to crazy bitch here. Okay, so <laughs> Governor Roswell P. Flower, huh? Could you say that in normal words? Governor Roswell P. Flower. Oh, there you go. Flower. <laughs> you can call me Flower. Oh, it's from Bambi. I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. Okay, so. He commuted her sentence to life in a mental institution after a medical commission declared her insane. Okay. While she was there, she continued to be crazy, obviously, um, and was generally given a wide berth by other inmates and attendants. But in 1897, she took offense at her treatment by one of the attendants, together with a second inmate, Jane Shannon, who was considered the most dangerous inmate in the institution. They isolated the attendant in the bathroom. Shannon knocked the attendant, Miss Kate Ward, to the ground and jumped on her. And then Halliday stuffed a towel in her mouth, and the two of them began to pound and beat the victim with their fists. Uh, Lizzie pulled out her hair, scratched her face mercilessly with her fingernails, and then when she was rescued from the assault, Miss Ward was unconscious. She did continue, uh, managed to survive with no, like, severe injuries, and then both attackers were secured in, like, individual isolation rooms. Jeez. Six years later, after, like, a six-year period of relatively stable behavior, Lizzie struck again, um, but she was more vicious this time and murdered a woman uh, who had showed her, she was, like, the only woman who had ever showed her any kindness in this in the building. It was a prison nurse by the name of Miss Nellie Wicks. She was 24 years old. Uh, Miss Wicks, due to her ability to re- to relate to the inmates and her kindness, had been recently promoted to the head of the women's unit. In her new position, she had developed a fondness for the difficult-to-manage Lizzie, giving her certain privileges within the group. Lizzie, in return, um, 
to the in return of the kindness appeared to kind of develop a maternal sort of affection for Wicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wicks then informed the group that, including Lizzie, that she would have to leave the institution to pursue her studies to become a medical nurse. Lizzie begged her not to leave, but Wicks remained resolute. Over the, um, her last few days, it was general knowledge that Lizzie was making verbal threats, saying that she would kill the young nurse rather than see her leave. Jeez. As threats of this sort were common for Lizzie, though, they were kind of like, eh. They were basically ignored. Yeah. On her final day in the institution, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Wicks entered a bathroom. Lizzie slipped in behind her, knocked her to the floor, and before the nurse could react, Lizzie had taken the keys, locked the door from the inside, um, and then using a pair of scissors she was allowed for sewing, proceeded to stab Wicks over 200 times in the face and head. Holy shit! 200 times? 200 over over 200 times imagine how like i get tired just do it like 10 times just this hand gesture (laughs) just beat the beat oh 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 but even like a handy but i know but like and it's like okay we're doing (laughs) i gotta switch hands (laughs) all right that's it it's going in the mouth because i can't do this anymore usually how it works <laughs> not bill approved so, sorry susan <laughs> it's going in the mouth because i can't do this anymore it's just so much faster but 200 <laughs> times like i feel like your arm would get tired one because you're not just like making the gesture you're stabbing it through muscle and bone and well and it's a sewing scissors you so think it's they'd small get... well no my mom's sewing scissors are a good six inches yeah, but I mean, if you're thinking about, like, a snipping scissors that they use to, like, just cut the thread and stuff, well, I don't yeah. think they'd give them, like, But I don't think they knives. had those little tiny scissors. They had just those iron ones that were basic. I'm pretty sure it was just the big iron ones. Yeah. That's my Because this is the 1800s, so I'm pretty sure it was just those big-ass iron was ones. Was this in the 1800s, or was this... No, it was the 1897. 97, okay. Or... No, it was six years later. Well, the first time was 1897, so it was 18... So it is the early 1900s. You cocksucker. It's math. <laughs> We've already established that. Okay. Okay. So, stabbed her over 200 times in the in face, face and, head. and head. Holy shit. Okay. Her screams alerted the other attendants who were managed to break down the door, but it was too late and she died less than an hour later. While being taken to her cell in solitary confinement, she said rather calmly, she won't leave me now. Whoa, bitch. (laughs) Whoa, bitch. That's, it's like why cannibals, a lot of them eat their victims. They want them inside them. Stay with them forever. So while incarcerated, her legend of Lizzie Halliday continued to grow. Um, There was articles that appeared in the Alexandria Gazette. Um, Halliday, by who that time had called the Wolf Woman of Sullivan County, was given the additional title of Gypsy Queen and said to have been the leader of a little band which roved over the Hudson and Mohawk Valleys. So kind of like mystical, like witchy kind of thing. It goes on to say inaccurately that she and the band came to Burlington in 1902 where Paul Halliday fell in love with a Gypsy Queen following their marriage. They celebrated the event and elected another queen and moved on. Like there's just these weird like fucking... We're just going to make this sound like, hoo right. magical. Dumb. <laughs> I just watched this. 
This kid run through the snow. <laughs> he had a one of those like haircuts that's like bald on the sides and longer on the top. Oh, yeah. It was back in a little tiny ponytail. <laughs> and he was wearing those pants, those sweatpants that are like kind of narrow on skinny legged guys. And he was running with high high knees. And it was kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> so um additional posts. They would describe the murders of Halliday and the McQuinlans as being shot five times in the heart, the five bullets forming a circle in a type of ritual killing. Um, So just like random shit like that kept being brought up and posted about her in like the news. So that's why she kept like the mystique of her was brought. That's what she was like the the scariest woman in the world and the most like the wolf woman of Sullivan County. And when really the bitch was just crazy. She's like, honestly... I just have some sort of a mental disorder and yeah. it was unchecked and here we just are. Just rampantly raging. Probably had some sort of like, some sort of like lead poisoning yeah. too. And so that doesn't help. And so on June 28th, 1918, while still incarcerated in the insane asylum, Lizzie Holiday, the worst woman on earth, mm-hmm. quietly passed away in her sleep at the age of 58. Good night, Lizzie Holiday. And that is the story of Lizzie Holiday. So she just fell asleep and passed away at 58? Yep. Well, that's... They dig into it. Well, she was in a mental institution, so I'm sure they did some really fun shit to her body. That's fair. They probably (laughs) fried her brain. (laughs) Fried her brain. They did some really crazy shit in mental institutions, so you know. Oh, I mean, I'm aware, but I'm just saying... It's a little so, odd that she fell asleep and died of natural causes at 58, unless she was sick. But it's cool. a good story, no? Super interesting. Never. I mean, I've heard the name before, and when you said the Jack the Ripper thing, I'm like, that's what it was. Because yeah. I've definitely heard the female suspect of Jack the Ripper. There's so many stupid things that but Jack the Ripper... There was abs- There's absolutely no evidence. If there's a Ripperologist listening... You fucking dumb. There's a ripperologist listening. You're probably cute. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably cute. Wear fitted suits and stuff. Do you wear a bowler hat? <laughs> Yikes. I had to explain to Katie what a bowler hat was. I was like, just fucking Google it, dude. I'm like, Ooh. it's like a top hat, but round. A little shorter. It's a, uh, it's a fucking you don't know what a bowler hat is? Know. Well, she wants to be... <laughs> She wants to be Cruella DeVille and have Alex and Lucas be Dalmatians. And she's like, I don't know what Michael will be. And I'm like, Michael can be one of her henchmen. Just get him like a long coat and a bowler hat. And she's like, what's, what's a, bowler a bowler hat? hat? I'm like, fuck, you don't know what a bowler hat is, man? Just fucking Google it. And I was like, so you're just going to be Cruella DeVille just stealing my costumes? It's fine. It's MVD. fine. I know you want to beat me. You just want to beat me? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not it. But there he uh, is. Nope, fucking he hipster didn't. high knee in it. Open your window and yell knees to chest, bitch. I think he's wearing a Google shirt. And also, it's not a ponytail. It's just combed back. And Please must have been when he was running, it was like chest. he was going so fast. Knees to chest, bitch. <laughs> All right. That was my story. She... Good job. Thanks. Yeah. I thought I did a good job for being drunk while researching it. Good for you. Good for fucking you, bitch. Gotta get my clothes out of the dryer. Gotta get my... All right, let me pull up my story for you. So I'm finally doing 
Joel. Joel Rifkin. Bum, 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 the baseball bum. player? Yes. No. Um. Oh, this isn't a sports podcast? Damn it. <laughs> Shoot. I did the wrong research again. I mean, last last week when we talked about the Vikings and how soul-crushing they are to me. Yes. And it turned into a sports podcast. But let's not go there. Let's not go down that dark road right now. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's still too fresh. <sighs> but yes, so... <laughs> A few episodes ago, I did the Long Island serial killer, and people linked Joel Rifkin to possibly being the perpetrator of some of those cases. I disagree after getting deeper into him. Also, you know how I said that I'm pretty sure Joel Rifkin killed mostly black sex workers? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. They were mostly white, and then there was like a couple Hispanic girls, and then there was one asian girl and he was very forthcoming with everything so i think if he would have killed any of them he would have said okay so we're just gonna say that right now so i don't necessarily agree with it being but there are parallels to it where i can see where people might link them if he wasn't so like open about what he did confess to okay in my and mind. the li the list killer was episode 45 Yes. yes. Yep. And that was the guy who, or they found like bodies and burlap bags and that one girl who was running down the street and they yep. found her and, in the marsh. And-, and everybody was like dismembered and put okay. into different things and um, they called him the burlap killer. <laughs> yep. Really, <laughs> really creative. Um, so, Joel David Rifkin was born January 20th of 1959 to a young college couple then on February 14th of 1959, he was adopted to an upper-middle-class upper couple in Long Island. So that's when he moved into the Long Island area. Okay. Um, he was only like three weeks old. So his adopted father, Bernard Rifkin, was a Russian Jewish of Russian-Jewish descent, and his mother, Jean, was Spanish but converted to Judaism when they got married. Okay. So... <laughs> And according to everything that I read, his early childhood was super normal, full of love. They doted on him like they like he was their own. And, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't any weird not-my-child stuff happening. Okay. Um, and he even described it as a typical childhood. Um, There's something to me that makes it even more creepier. Yeah. When they don't have fucked up childhoods. Well, and there's like so- they were raised completely normal with loving parents. Like that to me is like, so you're just straight up. There's something Fucked. evil about you. Yeah, like that's well, that's this fucking that's creepy. That's this fucking guy. Like no joke. I watched a few documentaries on him. I watched some interviews with him. There's a lot of quotes from him because I watched a bunch of interviews with him. I tried to find the actual legal confession because they kept saying that he gave a detailed confession on all of his killings because some of the women, their remains were never found. Mm -hmm. And some of them are even unidentified. He doesn't know their names, you know? Um, But he knew, he remembers all of them and whatever. But I tried to look it up because the only, like in the documentaries and in the articles that I found, there were only like a handful of the murders that had details about them. So, some of them is literally just their name, when it happened, and remains never found or remains found here. So, when we get to that, it's kind of disappointing in my mind because I really tried to dig for stuff, but I couldn't find the actual legal confession 
that had all the details that they kept talking about. Okay, so that makes sense. So, anywho, uh, but he had a normal, a typical early childhood. Rifkin wasn't good in school. He had learning disabilities and poor social skills. So he was unpopular with his classmates. He said that he was bullied a lot by kids. Um, not for any other reason than he was just kind of the target because he was the quietest one in his class. Okay. Uh, Rifkin it's always says, the quiet one. <clears throat> right? Well, and he's like, because he was the, he was described as being like mellow mannered and just kind of not I don't know kind of just under the radar so then people kind of ignored the fact that he was getting bullied and picked on whatever so okay uh Rifkin says that as he got older he became a disappointment to his father because his father was like a math whiz and an elite athlete in college Mm -hmm. and wanted him to do that too but it Sports were never his thing. He didn't have, like... So he didn't play baseball then? Well, he had, like, coordination issues. <laughs> he, in one of the interviews, he told a story about when his dad and him, like... He goes, yeah, my dad would take me out to the lawn and try to toss the football back and forth because that's what he was um, in in college. And I, he goes, for whatever reason, I could not catch a football for the life of me. And, I, like, he's like, I just couldn't. It wasn't the thing. So we did it a few times, and then it kind of was like well, that's a fucking waste of time, so he just Mm -hmm. stopped doing anything with me. Right. Um, But Rifkin had an IQ of 128, which is above average. Yeah. And uh, he just had dyslexia, so he was officially diagnosed with that. Okay. And so he had a really hard time in school, so it was frustrating because at that time, it's not like it was a... It wasn't a time when they would work with people that had... A difficult time with education so right. um but he did manage to graduate in 1977 he said that during high school he would avoid the bullies though by being the last one into the school being late to class almost every single day mm. and being the last one like the very last one to leave the school the only other person being in the building was like the janitor okay so he just tried to avoid people generally so then he was isolated by himself all the time he just kept to himself he didn't interact with his dad or his family because he had his dad his mom and a sister and he just kind of sat in his room when he got home so he would okay roam around by himself but this is when he said that he started growing this like darker fantasy life because he created he was his in own his head so much yeah okay he created his own he saw the alfred hitchcock movie frenzy mm. and he started becoming sexually obsessed with strangulation so because there's a scene in that i'm not gonna say anything i'm just kidding yeah susan (laughs) listens to this don't say anything so okay just gonna let you have your moment it's fine continue but there's a scene in it where this man kills a woman strangles her and it's like a close-up of her screaming Oh, while I know. He's yeah, getting, I know yeah, yeah. Okay. While she's getting strangled, we had to watch that in film class in college because I went to art school. Oh, look at you! But yes, yeah, so that's how he kind of became fascinated with strangulation. Okay, and 
he said he didn't blame the movie by any means. It was kind of like a, this is my first exposure to it. And I was like, oh. It's the thing that flipped the switch. Yeah. The switch Uh, was there. It was just. So once he had graduated high school, he attended classes at Nassau Community College. And after a year of that, he was going to move to the University of New York in Brookport. But he thought that he needed to, well, not needed. He thought that if he was to lose his virginity before he went, he would fit in better and he wouldn't be such an outcast. Maybe he socially would understand things better. I don't know. It's some weird, in his mind, it made sense. I feel like a lot of college kids, like high school boys, think that. Yeah. So he went... This is a weird turn, though. He went to Manhattan and he picked up a sex worker because, you know, that's where you're like, I just need to lose it. So you don't really say no. Is that so what I should have done? Just get a sex worker. <laughs> just get me a hooker. Uh, um. So this woman kind of, she was, he said that she was probably in her like later 30s, the one that he picked up. Mm-hmm. And so she played teacher to him and kind of <laughs> taught him how to do stuff. Oh. And uh, this is kind of when he also realized that for $20, he wouldn't be rejected and he could kind of have the control in a situation in with $20. Yeah. I did the inflation. It's like $87 now. But. I feel like the Poonani is worth more than that. Yeah. But, you know, when like, you're struggling to try to get just money to get the next high, a lot of times that's the thing is they'll do whatever it takes because it's like the last ditch resort. I know, but still. Like, Either I no, I know it's disappointing. It's <laughs> it's just so sad. Ladies, put a little bit more money into that punani. I'm just saying you're worth more than eighty seven dollars an hour. Yes, agreed. And it's not an hour; it's a a jizz. So eighty seven dollars a jizz. So if it takes him two hours, she still only gets eighty seven. Well, I'm sure she'd cut it off at a time and be like, "All right, that's your time, buddy." But. <laughs> If you make Bucko. it, if you if you make it happen in ten minutes, you can make a lot of money in an hour. I suppose. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't maybe know. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you tell me. So he became obsessed. Uh, he went to college, and after two years, he dropped out, and he moved back home, which you know really went over well with his dad. I'm sure. Um, he Are you got. Saying there's something wrong about living with your parents. Did you? The thing is, is that his dad really held academic. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Things really I'm, high. I'm feeling triggered right now. I'm just <laughs> this is one of those things that's gonna make us lose listeners, Nielsen. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so uh, after two years, moved back home. Dropped out of college, gave up on his academic stuff, and his dad was not happy about it because they had put money into it. They had, you know, like, it was one of those things that it's like you couldn't make it work. You weren't, because I don't even think he was taking, he was only taking a few courses, so it wasn't like he was full load of anything. He just had no ambition to get it done. And I mean, with the dyslexia, I'm sure it was difficult. So then he got overwhelmed and was like, fuck it. I can't do this. So in a last-ditch effort to win back his father's love, he enrolled in a biology class at a local college, and he received a good grade, but his father would never see it because in February of 1987, he committed suicide by overdosing after 
being diagnosed and suffering with prostate cancer for the f- for a few months before that. Oh, that's actually kind of sad. Yeah. Um, Rifkin started a landscaping business after this, but everything that he earned in that landscaping business went straight to sex workers. Oh. Um, he had said in an interview that they were basically his drug of choice. So he's, like, addicted to sex. Yeah, because he said he didn't even, half the time, he wouldn't even, like, have sex with them. He just, just, he just liked the company. He liked having people that didn't necessarily have the choice but to be around him because you know what I mean like it was the control like factor of it I think for him okay um then in August of that year 1987 just so we know in August of that year Rifkin was arrested for the first time during a prostitution sting where he offered money to us for sex to an undercover female police officer okay once he they did the exchange um he got arrested he went to prison for a little bit but it was more of like a fine and naughty naughty type of thing so once he got out he moved back into his childhood home with his mother and his sister okay so the whole fam family is living in this house together as adults i can't even imagine like having to you know I could, but, like, full-time as a grown-up, as much as you don't want to say it, man who has his own business Mm -hmm. and, you know, feel like you have all your stuff together and then you have to move back in with your parent, with your mom, your single mother who's probably struggling herself. So maybe it's like a he's helping her out and she's helping him out situation. I don't know. I just got thinking about it right now as I said it. I was like, that sounds fun. Um, But in 1989, so two years later... After his father had committed suicide, um, he killed Heidi Susie Block, I believe is what how you say it. So he it. just, like, it didn't even go to, like, rape. He just escalated right to murder. Um, she was 25, and he killed her in his home. He says that she shot up with heroin in the bathroom and then passed out for a couple hours after he had brought her there. Okay. Um, they had sex one time, and then she shot up, up again and passed out again. Okay. Um, he said that he was getting irritated with the drug usage, and while she was, like, passed out for the second time, like, that morning afterwards, because she, like, came... I think he was just annoyed because she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing. It was, like... He wasn't in control. She yeah. was shooting up. So... In the morning after she had passed out, he picked up a... Hoitzer? Hoitzer shell? Um, basically, it's a huge ammunition shell from World War II. It's like a... It was like an antique thing mm-hmm. that he had as decoration. I have a lamp made out of a giant ammunition yes. shell. Yes. This one is the like a... Not a bomb, but it's like a... One of those missile shells that's yeah. like this. Like anybody can see right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking to you. So, <laughs> he picked that up and started beating her in the head with it. Oh, I bet you just Um, mushed her brain and face. Yeah. He believes that he struck her between 20 and 30 times with this giant thing. So he just goes straight to berserker. Like, that's not... Well, not not berserker mode, but I mean, like, berserker, like, he just loses control and beats the shit out of her. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he... Well, and that's where it was, like, later on they talk about how 
hard it was to even pin like down why he was doing it mm-hmm. because he didn't have any sort of like he didn't lead have, up into it. He didn't right. like have any violent tendencies. He just he lost his shit. Yeah. Um. So he beats her with that and he thought he had killed her. But when he was trying to go to sleep because of, he hadn't slept all night because he was pissed. So he so was like basically going back and forth, not going to bed. So he tried to go to sleep and she sat up after he had beaten her and it like freaked him out. So they ended up wrestling and landed to the floor. She bit him in the arm and he had in one of his. OK, so in one of the interviews I watched, he goes and she bit me in the arm, which I still have the scar this day. Like, he's super casual. It's fucking weird. I don't even know how to explain uh, it. Like, I want you to watch one of his interviews because he's so, like... We can watch uh, We can watch it after this. Okay. So, he... um. Anyway, so she bit him. And then he thinks that he, quote, smothered her more than strangled her because he was, like, on top of her holding, like, his body down on her while he was squeezing. Okay. Um, because they were wrestling and... In the moment as well. Uh, he put her body in the basement and then went to bed and slept for, he's like, I slept for like four or six hours, something, something like that. Yeah, he just like tells it like it's just a story. And it. <clears throat> then when he woke up, he realized that, because he's always had these fantasies of like strangling women to death. So he hadn't mm-hmm. acted on it yet, but this was the first time that he actually like did it. Okay. And so when he woke up. He remembered that he had actually done it. It wasn't a dream. He didn't, you know, because he woke he up. He finally lived out his fantasy. Yeah, basically. he woke up in this, like, haze. But honestly, he, like, kind of freaked out. Like, he didn't. I'll get there. I'm just going to. So, following this, he dismembered her body using an exacto knife. Oh. So, he said that he cut through the flesh at the joints, and then he just, he's like, and then after that, it was pretty easy. You just kind of popped out the hip joints and popped out the shoulders. Oh. Yeah. Dude, no joke. Dude, you didn't give me any warning. No. I'm, this is, just get, this, sit back, friend, because this is the first murder, and we're talking Ooh. 17 women. 17? Yeah. Ew. Yeah. No, he's, he's fucked. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So uh, he gets an exacto knife and he's like, you know, when he's telling the story, you know, I figured it'd be easier to move smaller packages. So I cut her into a few pieces because I couldn't par- carry out the one big package. Dude. Like yeah. he called them packages. That's not, but, hey, that's, ew. So he cut okay. her into six pieces. I'm assuming leg, leg, arm, arm, torso, head, torso. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, yeah. knees, and toes. Like, cut the torso in half or something. You know what I mean? Like, just basically well, make no, it easy torso, enough. arm, yeah. arm yes. head, and That's then each leg is six pieces. Yep. So, he... So, he cut her into six pieces, removed her teeth and her fingertips. Just for, the, Okay, I'm not going to make a just don't, the tip, yep, don't. Nope, Sorry. Nope. nope. <laughs> just shut your fucking mouth. Jesus um, Christ. He put her head into a paint can and left it at Was a it near... Full? I doubt it. It's a weird question. I don't know why I asked that. Just was it full? Does it make a difference? <laughs> what color was it? <laughs> Christina, I'm just going to go ahead and say like a blanket. I don't fucking know about the paint can, okay? All right? <laughs> I'm, I'm 
sorry. I don't know why I asked. It's because you're nervous and you don't know what else to say. That was the stupidest question. Was it full? <laughs> yeah, know, it was fucking full face? of bed. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> sorry. It just said that he put it in a paint can. <laughs> So he puts her head in this paint can. We don't know if it's full or not. We're not sure on the color. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions about the paint can because that's the biggest deal in the story. Um, (laughs) But then puts that by a golf course in Hopewell, New Jersey. So it's all within the same area as the Lisk Killer. Okay. um, Within that like radius of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can totally see why people draw parallels, like I said. Right. Okay. Okay. Next, he dumped her legs farther north and then dumped her torso and arms in the East River. Okay. Um, I want to say Black. It's her, her Belk. It's her last name, but it's like, it's one of those that has like a weird, not yeah. umlau, but weird thing. Anyway, uh, her severed head was found on March 5th that year on the seventh hole of the golf course. So... I'm imagining that it got pulled out of the paint can by an animal and dragged out to the actual golf course because he put it in the woods near the golf course. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's what I imagined. And then her legs were found discovered in April that year. Okay. Test to ID her did test positive for the AIDS virus, but they weren't identified until 2013. So one of the documentaries I was watching, they're like, and it remains on unidentified to this day and i had already done like my skeleton Mm -hmm. for my research you know and i was just adding in little details from these different things and i was like what and i look at it and i was like oh it's from 2012 so it literally was the next year that they identified her um then he said that after his first killing he became, like, extremely paranoid. He kept watching the cars on the street, wondering if they were sta- lingering too long or if there were people watching and listening and knew about it, whatever. Okay. Um, He's like, I just became really paranoid, you know. I, I don't want people to just... And that's kind of how he talks, too. Like, a, uh, mm-hmm. just... Ugh. Anyway, so... But after this, he generally returned just to his normal life. He didn't... There was no weird upheaval of emotions. Like, his mom and his sister said that nothing emotionally changed with him. Okay. At that time, he kind of just continued on with what he was doing. He says that after this, he vowed to himself that he would never kill again. And he didn't for a year and a half. Okay, so he had a cooling off period. Yep. So this is, which is normal. That Mm -hmm. first kill is usually, like, there's a big lull between the second one for serial killers just because... A lot of them don't. You get that major high and then mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Then it, it's kind of like meds. I mean, you build up that tolerance and. For lack of a better word. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so this is when his mom and his sister went away again. Because I guess they were away at the time of the first murder. Okay, that makes sense. I was going to say, I was like, did they just not hear him murder her? Because it sounded pretty loud and violent. But right. That well, makes sense that they weren't there. Yeah, that's, and it seems to be like when he brings them home, it's only when his mom and his sister aren't there. Probably good practice when you, you bring Right, I mean, home. no tips, but also, also generally, hey, just a good you idea. shit in private, yo. <laughs> um, so they were away, and he brought home Julie Blackbird. Uh, he says that he spent the night at, or they spent the night at his home. 
And then early that next morning, they drove to the ATM because he owed her money for the night, you know. So mm-hmm. he was like, well, I'll get you money when we, when I go to drop you off. So they went to the ATM. For whatever reason, his card was declined and it wouldn't say why. So he had to wait until the bank opened to go and actually get the money. So he's like, in, oh, my God. In the interview, he goes, so we had about an hour and a half of time, like an hour and a half to kill. And then he sat there for a second. He's like. It's a weird choice of words. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. Gross. I know. Dude. So they're sitting at his house. Um, and this is when he found like he said that he beat her with a table leg. I was like, is it just the rogue table leg Are you floating just around? Picking up random shit and beating people with it? Basically. Well, he so he hit her once with this to knock her out. Just like conked her on the head, like yeah, a caveman. and then he strangled her because that was his thing. He liked yeah. to strangle, so he he strangled her, and he said he strangled her for like twenty minutes. So what does he have like weak little doll hands? Why did no. it take him twenty minutes? He said that most of the time she was dead. He just enjoyed being able to like oh, like strangle. Ew. So because uh, he said it well at one point it was like I was basically strangling a corpse, dude. So Yuck. yeah, he's. He's something else. I was like, I didn't realize how fucked up this guy was because I've read through like the general stuff and, you know, and they did not have some of the details that some of the documentaries did. And I was like, ish. Don't like that. Gross. But continue. So. Hate everything about this. Right. He says that he considered raping her after she was dead. This. He's like, but for some reason, you know, I, like I couldn't dr- cross that line. Like, I'm, oh yeah, I'll that's kill a- somebody. Yeah, that's what he was basically like. I'll kill somebody, but apparently that's too much. You know, motherfucker. I don't even. He's. Is- just, I know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> continue. So he dismembers her too. Oh, oh, good. And then encases these body parts into cement and throws them into various water sources around New York. So is he just getting creative with? Just random ways mm-hmm. of disposing bodies. Okay. Her remains were never found. So, right. so it worked. Yep. So she, they know that it's her because he knew her. Like he, he was well aware of some of the victims that he killed. Because he frequented them so much. Exactly. So he knew Which some of their names. Which is also probably why it was so easy for him to get them because he they was were comfortable. so yeah. comfortable because he had visited them for so mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Green River Killer and, like, um, Picton. Mm-hmm. They'd go to that red light district so much that they were like, oh, well, we know this guy. Picton is so fucking gross. Maybe that's what I'll do for 50. I, f- Ugh, that's I it. fucking It's been decided. I love Picton. I, I think it's so him. interesting. Like, just the, just the, I smell pig shit. Just, like. Pig shit, human shit, blood. No, because you never forget the smell once it's embedded into your nose. And my brothers used to come home from working on the pig farms. And, like, if I was sleeping at 4 a.m., just to piss me off, they would crawl into my bed covered in their barn clothes. And I could never... I have a lot of fucking hair, and I'd get it in my hair, and then I couldn't get the scent of pig shit out of my hair for, like, a week. And you don't forget the smell of pig shit. So when you talk about him just fucking stewing in his own mess on a pig farm it just not to mention gives me all the, the heebie-jeebs man not to mention all the rancid meat that they had floating around i don't okay yuck anyway Dude. they were millionaires so <laughs> just saying it's still fucking gross it's just still living gross, in their own but slop. they 
They I were millionaires like by selling meat. Ick. Gross. The piggy palace. Anyway, so only four months later, he picked up Barbara Jacobs, who was 31. He brought her to his house as well. They had sex in the guest bed, and then she fell asleep. Rifkin stayed up, and he kept debating what he wanted to do if he wanted to go through with it. Like, he had this mental argument in his head, like, it's not okay, but also the rush that he gets from it, like, and he said, eventually I succumb to my urges. So fucking dumb. Uh, So he picked up, quote, something heavy. He doesn't remember what he grabbed, but he grabbed something that was in the room. And he hit her on the side of her head and then strangled her right there on the floor. So he hit her on the side of the head. She must have, like, panicked and tried to get up. And then he strangled her. So his motive is kind of, or his, like, it's all sexual. is kind of caveman knock them to the ground mm-hmm. and overpower them. Right. Well, and I think it's. It's hard to his he is a very classic like was he like sexual gratifying when he was I'm assuming so it nothing ever said anything about it but I'm assuming that he he just got off on strangling him yeah that he got off on strangling him because he doesn't doesn't necessarily like rape them they have consensual sex because he paid he paid them. them. But then it seems to be, like, that calm, comforting part afterwards where they're like, okay, well, now we just, we'll just hang here or whatever. They obviously knew him because they would stay at his house. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's so weird. And I'm, it's so many little different things that I'm like, I don't understand how they're just like, yeah, we'll just sleep. Or, yeah, we'll just, like, the one girl, obviously, she was doing drugs and passed out. Like, it's not like she was just sleeping over for the night. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it. <sighs> so he picked up something heavy and then strangles her on the floor. He kept her body for two days. He says that when the body started to bloat, he got nervous to cut it up. Because he didn't want it's it gonna to. It's going to pop like a zit. Yeah. Oh, yuck. So... So he found a narrow box. He's like, I don't know if it was like a, what did he call it? Like a, I think he said a Christmas tree box. But he goes, it was a long and narrow large box that he put her body in. So he's like, oh, okay. So he put her in that and then threw it into the river. Her remains were found not long afterwards in July of that year. he didn't poke the lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Hudson River, and but she remained a Jane Doe until after Rifkin was arrested and was able to name who she was. Okay. Uh, there were a few women that actually escaped. He told a few different stories on some of these interviews about women who didn't realize his like serious intention on things, where they would like get rough and then they'd freak out and something would happen and he'd just stop, you know? Mm -hmm. So one of his stories was that he began choking one of the women in his car and he was like on top of her. Right. And she managed to somehow like hook her leg underneath him and push him up, you know, like that airplane thing, like push him up to the roof of the car and he lost grip. Okay. And he goes, and he said, (laughs) he said he was basically dangling there. (laughs) Like, just... From these bitches' power. That's never skip a leg day, ladies. Mm -hmm, Bitch. So, he said they both calmed down, and she basically was just like, I really need to stop doing this, aka sex work. 
And uh, he just kind of made it be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's one of my things. I don't know, whatever. Talked her into like not thinking it was a big deal. They parted ways at the end. Yeah. I don't know. So that was her response to my face because I didn't say anything. It doesn't yep. make sense when you just say, yeah, I don't know. When I'm <laughs> she she made like a. Huh? I'm sorry, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't get it. So his next victim was Mary Ellen DeLuca. She was 22. Also, a lot of the places that I looked said different ages for these women, but I went by what a lot of them had like moms interviewed in some of these like documentaries, and I went by what their mom said. So that's because, because moms, moms know always everything. Know. Everything. No. Fucking no. Susan and Linda, no. <laughs> um, so she was picked up only a few weeks after this, so he's getting more and more closer. He's slowly, few- like, accelerating. Mm-hmm. So uh, they went to the went to a hotel. This is... Rifkin said this was a way of him trying to avoid killing them because he figured that if two of them went into this hotel room, he had two to have two leave. people leave. So he was like, this way... I'm even more likely not to. So he started visiting hotels with them rather than bringing them home. Okay. Um, Pause for a second. Did they know at this time that there was a serial killer? No, because um, one of the... They were talking about how there was such a high volume of murders and criminal activity right at that time in that area that it was hard to tell what was connected and what wasn't. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Which makes sense, because the list killer was around this time. They said there were other random rogue mm-hmm. bodies that they didn't know where they were from. There was a lot of gang activity. Just a okay. lot of stuff that... That makes sense. Yeah. So they didn't... They weren't totally sure that they were connected. And half of them, they didn't even know they were missing. Until he got... Yeah. Okay. Until he was arrested, and they were able to connect all of these people with things, and he was able to send them to bodies and all that fun got stuff. It. Okay. Um, so they went to this hotel and he said that this one, so he was trying to avoid this urge, right? But DeLuca kept telling him all these stories about how terrible her life was and how she went to rehab and tried to get clean, but now she's back on the streets and doing drugs again and how she just wished she wasn't living and like all this, like oh, so, so it like, like it fed into his, yeah. like, well, I can fix that for you, right? So he goes, basically, he said there was no sex. They didn't even have sex he just this time. Her. He just grabbed her by the throat. Um, he after he killed her and strangled her, he pulled the curtains and put up the "Do Not Disturb" sign, and then went to go find a trunk. Like one of those rolling trunks mm-hmm. that you take when you t- take like a long trip on a train, you know? Right. Um, he also got this idea from the movie Frenzy because they do the same thing. Right. He was like, how can I get, get her, her out of here without raising too much of an alarm? And so that was his go-to was, I'll just get this trunk. It'll look like I'm bringing my luggage out. Mm-hmm. Maybe she left before me. No one's going to think the wiser, right? Okay, cool. So he goes and he gets that, and it worked. Um, he took her out with that, and then he dumped her. And her remains were found in Cornwall, New York, and she wasn't identified until two to, two years later, July of 1993. Um, so he kept that trunk. 
because oh, it so worked. he took her out of there. And then... Yes. Um, oh. So Yoon Lee is his next victim. She was 21. Are we um, up to seven now? Hmm? We're up to seven now? Let me... I didn't number them. Oh, okay. Sorry. You don't have to go back and count. It was... One. <laughs> too late. Two. Three. Four. Five. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, that makes sense because his next one is unidentified and they called her number six. No. <laughs> um, Yoon Lee, 21. I didn't know if the cops just called her that, but. Uh, he grabbed her throat while they were in his truck in daylight. So he's getting more bold, mm-hmm. bold and ballsy, too. He sat her body up in the passenger seat and started to drive the expressway to Long Island so he could go home because he didn't have a plan for what to do with her body yet and he got gas at a gas station with her body just sitting up in the front seat like she was falling like asleep in the front seat isn't that fucked that's so fucked um so he went and got gas and then when he went to so he was driving to long island and he said that he, I'm trying to think because I didn't write it apparently, but it was when she, he was driving with her in the front seat. Nope, this is the wrong one. That's why it doesn't say it because. Okay, you'll get there. Oh my God, there's so many. It throws me off. Anyway, so he drives home. He goes to this shed where he stores lawn equipment. And because, you know, he's a landscaper, has his mm-hmm. own business. And he put her into the same trunk that he did with um, DeLuca. And her remains were discovered September 23rd of 1991 in the East River. So she was found a lot faster. So did he just carry them in the trunk and then dump them and keep the trunk? Yep. Okay. Yep. It was basically like a, just a way of moving them. Transportation. Yeah. So number six, her remains were never found and the female was never identified. Uh, he says that he strangled this woman and she had sandy hair. Uh, he put her in a metal drum and dumped it in the Harlem River. He says that while he was dumping her body, he nearly got caught, though. At this point, he dumped the barrel. The splash happened. And when he turned around to go back to the car, there were flashlights behind him. And it turned out to be two police officers. And somehow... He fucking talked his way into them thinking that he was scavenging for, like, car parts that were dropped at the side of the road or, you know, because there's, like, dump sites of different random household car parts stuff. Mm -hmm. And they just let him go and they basically were like, hey, don't, well, it was pretty suspicious, so maybe don't don't do this in the middle of the night. Right. And he just fucking went home. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like like Ted Bundy getting pulled over with a body in his trunk or like well, right. you know, that kind of shit where it's like, did you shit your pants when that happened, sir? Like, right? <laughs> I'm like, how did he like keep his cool and just be like, oh, you know, I just heard there was a dump site around here and I was going to see if I could find myself something for like his car or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, I can't, I can't even imagine. So Lorraine Ovieto, 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 that sounds right. 28. Her remains were found in July of 1992 in Coney Island, um, in Coney Island Creek. And her, she wasn't ID'd until July 4th of 1993. This is when I kind of 
fly through these because no, there's not fine. a lot of detail in them. Um, Mary Ann Holloman, 39. Her remains were found July of 1992 on Coney, in Coney Island Creek as well. I'm really glad you're you're clarifying that it's Coney Island Creek because when you just say mm-hmm. Coney Island, I'm like, what was she like in the teacup ride? Coney or? Island. <laughs> uh, no, number nine. Okay. Identity anonymous. It's another one they didn't find his remains, but he didn't know her name. Irish Shantez, Sh- Sanchez, Sanchez, <laughs> Sanchez. Amanda, come on. She was 25. Her remains were found in June of 1993 near JFK International Airport. Rifkin said that she was his fastest kill, that it was one of those that it went straight. He just went straight to it. So did he strangle and dismember all of them? I don't know if he dismembered all of them, but But I know that he strangled all of them. them. The only ones that they specified that he dismembered were the first two. Okay. Um. Anna Lopez, 33, remains found May 25th of 1992 in Patterson, New York. Violet O'Neill, because he was dumping all over the place to try to avoid things getting connected to him. I mean, he's not stupid. Uh, yeah. He's actually extremely smart and mm-hmm. very well spoken for being a creep. But again, it's like this weird, like, no emotion thing when he's talking about just killing people. Sociopaths creep me out. Yeah. Um, so Violet O'Neill, 21, remains found July 1992 in Harlem River, and she was identified in 1993. Mary Catherine Williams, 31, remains found December 1992 in Yorktown, New York, being ID'd in July of 1993. So a lot of these, like, they didn't know who they were until, like, a year to years later. Um, Jenny Soto, 23, her remains were found November 1992 on the shore of Harlem River near the Bronx. Um... Leah Evans, 28, remains found May 9th, 1993 in Northampton, New York. Lauren Marquez, 30, found June. Pardon me. Found June in 1993 in Suffolk County, New York. If that sounds familiar, that's where all the other Long Island serial killer things happened. Um, She was ID'd in August of 1993, so not too long later. Um, Rifkin said that he just basically leaned over and grabbed her neck. That's the only detail I could find. He's fucking evil on that one. So this is his final victim. Tiffany Bresciani. Mm-hmm. She was 22. This is one that they said different ages throughout things, but her mom was interviewed and she said she was 22. So I'm like, we're sticking with 22. Uh, she was picked up by Rifkin on June 24th of 1993. She was a sex worker out of Manhattan, and she was actually with her boyfriend at the time of getting picked up. And she told him, I'll be back in 20 minutes. That was her. She's like, she I'll be back with her boyfriend minutes. when she got picked up. Uh, yeah. It's you know. so fucking weird to me. I don't understand. That. I'm sorry. It, we don't need to talk about it. But yeah. It's no. just weird. Rifkin says that he strangled her right away. Put her in the back seat, threw some car mats on top of her to try to hide her body. Uh, He started driving home, and this is the one where I thought it was that other one. Um, He started driving home, and he started to, he was just about to pass a bus when he got off because he thought, this isn't smart. Like, people can see right into my window. Like, there's, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's no hiding it, even if there are, like, tarps sitting on top of her. So, that, at that point, he got off and he went to Kmart. He got a blue tarp and he wrapped her in that and put her in the trunk of his mom's car because that's what he was driving at the time. When, what a winner. Well, his mom's car. As by, 
by his mom's car. It's like a Mazda truck, I think. But still. Yeah. Uh, 84 Mazda pickup. Yes. A Mazda, huh? Yep. And I think it had a cover on it. It was one of those with the back cover. Closed cab, yeah. Yep. So he, when he got home, his mom said she had to run errands. Oh my God. So his mom was driving around with the dead body in the back of the car. And he goes, I don't know. I guess she just didn't use the trunk that day. (gasps) Yeah. Oh. I know. So after she returned, Rifkin moved her body to the garage because it was like he drove in and she was like, okay, well, takes the keys from him to get right in the car. And he's like, okay, bye. (laughs) Give me a bye. (laughs) So he moved her body into the garage and it sat there for three days. Ew. Um, and, and as he said, they were hot days and she was nice and ripe at the end of it. So she was real stanky. Mm. Um, yeah, I told you there's moments like this whole thing is like this where he just says stuff and it's like, you're talking about a human being. Like, I don't understand. You're talking like your fucking roast turned bad in the fridge. Normal, sir. Um, when she didn't return after getting picked up, uh, why can't I think? Tiffany's uh, boyfriend called the police. Okay. So, but, 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 where is it? Okay. Called the police and described the, the 84 Mazda pickup that she was picked up in. Mm-hmm. And they found that it was driven by Rifkin. So then four days later, Rifkin was pulled over for a missing license plate in the back of his truck. Okay. Um, so I'll go, I'll just keep going and then I'll say it when I get there. He didn't comply. He, at one point, the the officer says that at one point during this chase, it was like a half hour chase, his vehicle was up on two wheels and the officer thought that he was going to tip, but he didn't. He continued. Um, after about 30 minutes of chasing, Rifkin ran into a street light and it was done. He couldn't go anywhere. The police officer ran up to the driver's side with his gun out, you know, pulled open the door where Rifkin was sitting with his hands up almost casually, the police officer said. So I'm just imagining. Okay, got me. You got me. Well, fuck. Um, so wouldn't have been a huge deal if it was just the license thing. And if you would have just pulled over. Uh, but. He would have just pulled over. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to search the vehicle. Uh uh-uh. So he opens up the door, looks at this guy. is like, why? Like, he's so calm after having a 30 minute chase. And then he got this. He was hit by this fume of rotting flesh. Oh, God. Because remember, she was nice and ripe, as he said. I didn't know she was in the car. Yeah, she was in the back of the truck. Because she, he had put her back in there to go try to dump her, figure out, like, what to do with her. Oh. And so he was hit by this, like, smell And so he cuffed Rifkin and then he ran back to the back of the truck, opened it up, and he said, it appeared as if someone was rolled up in a blanket, but upon pulling it back, I realized that it was a, there was a deceased subject in the car. So this is his like report, a quote from his report. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've seen the pictures. Oh God. She was not in great condition. Um, Later, later on Rifkin says that, 
He was trying to crash into the ocean, sink the truck, run away and disappear. He didn't really know. He's like, I don't really know what I was doing. I was panicking. So I just kind of was trying to veer off somehow, get rid of what was there and Mm -hmm. see if I could disappear. Um, Rifkin had asked the officer later on while they were sitting there waiting because he was super. The officer kept saying how surreal it was because he was so calm and collected just sitting there waiting for backup to show up because they needed to wait for the like the medical examiners to show up before he could take him away and walk away from the scene Mm -hmm. so rifkin asks him like why did you pull me over in the first place like right he was driving normal whatever and the officer said something something along the lines of you were pulled over for the the lack of a rear, you know, technical terms for the lack of a rear license plate. And when Rifkin heard this, he stated, you know, it's always a 25 cent part. <laughs> and it, Rifkin was saying in one of the interviews that he's like, and I heard it fall off, but I thought maybe I just left a wrench on the tailgate. And so I didn't think anything of it, but he had heard the clink clink of it hitting the back and then falling off. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, and I, I just found, for whatever reason, I thought that was kind of funny because he was like, I heard it fall off. I just figured I left like a tool, like a wrench or something on the back of my car. Oh. Uh, after this discovery, Rifkin remained, oh, I already said that, oddly calm, remained on the scene. Um, this is when Rifkin was taken to the East Farmingdale Depart- like Police Department to be interrogated. He was cooperative. Rifkin said that after killing... Bresciani. I can't. I keep like over her name. Um, After killing it, that that after the killing, he said that it didn't go well when he picked her up. Like he was talking about the story and it didn't go well. Okay. And that's why she got killed. So he stored her body at his mother's house in the garage for three days. This is the story he's telling them. Yeah. Um, Before attempting to dispose of it. They said that he was emotionally detached, giving the officers the impression that this wasn't his first time. He was way too calm to be his first time doing anything like this. So after a while, um, instead of talking about the murder of the body, he began telling them menial things about his life. Um, And since he was being beating around the bush or being so cavalier about things, the officers just straight up asked him if there were more victims. Like, so have you killed anybody else? You know? And in later interviews, he stated, I figured, you know, there is no point in being evasive. I gave them, you know, the whole thing. He says, you know, a lot, you know, in his interviews. It's like his, I don't know. It's like his calming word, but the detectives now wanted to know how many women he had killed. They He ended up saying something around the lo- along the lines of 17 and giving details on 17. Because mm-hmm. he goes, and then they played a numbers game with me. And then they pan to an officer who's getting interviewed. And he's just like, so we asked him, so were there 100? Well, no. How about 50? Like, they were decreasing it, trying to figure out, like, whereabouts he was with how many he had killed. And apparently that was a numbers game. Just fucking tell me how many you murdered, (laughs) asshole. Right? Then Rifkin offered to draw a map showing where two of the victims would be. be, Like, two of the bodies would be. 
Um, he led police to Irish Sanchez and Lauren Marquez. So he they did find the bodies of these two women. So that proves that he is not telling Lies. falsehoods, you know. Mm-hmm. So the interrogation lasted like 12 hours. It started, he started kind of giving up more information and admitted that there were more victims at about seven hours. And then they said that the rest of it was just detailed descriptions of what happened, which is why I was like, I want to find this and see if there's more details, but I Mm -hmm. could not find it. Well, and to me, it just goes back to like, he has detailed, he gave up detailed descriptions on all of these killers. Why wouldn't he do the same for the ones that the LIS killer did? Yeah, that's what I mean. But also, the odds of two serial killers not working the same areas with the same victim pool and not, like, crossing paths is really odd. Yeah. Well, so, and that's why it's like, uh, uh, maybe Mm -hmm. these are just the ones that he remembers. Maybe he, you know. Right. I don't know, but... The that day, police also executed a search warrant of his house, and there they found that his bedroom was piled like hoarder's style, piled with dirty dishes, soiled clothes, discarded magazines, along with hundreds of personal items that came from his victims. The wind just picked up, huh? Just a bunch of shit just flew off the building. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a bunch of personal items from his victims. He kept trophies, mm-hmm. like a lot of them. He kept ID cards and jewelry and underwear and other clothing pieces. They also found newspaper articles about other serial killers, such as Jeffrey Dahmer and Arthur Shawcross. He found They found true crime books throughout his whole space, including areas in the house that weren't his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, the police took away hundreds of, upon hundreds of pieces of evidence, including a saw a freezer, and a wheelbarrow that just happened to have a quart of fresh human blood in it. Oh. So it was what he was transferring. It must have been what he transferred her into the car with from the mm-hmm. garage. So, But a quart. That's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. So, and yeah, <laughs> this I put, and yes, his mother and sister say that they had no idea, <laughs> though they lived with him. Oh. Which... If that's for real the case, that's so I can't sad. even imagine, like, how creepy that has to feel. Mm-hmm. That all that, oh. So, Joel, R- Joel Rifkin became known as New York's worst serial killer, now outdoing David Berkowitz, which, not so hard, because he, he kind of failed like more. Than, yeah, he kind of failed more than he actually killed. Fuck off, Berkowitz. You're not that cool. Right? Joel Rifkin went to trial for the murder of Tiffany... And he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, There was a fight to make his confession inadmissible, saying that it was coerced. Rifkin claimed that he had asked for a lawyer several times while being questioned, but was never given one. Never, like, a chance to get one. Eventually, the confession was deemed admissible that it could be used in trial. And the trial officially began 10 months after he was arrested. The prosecution painted Rifkin as a cunning and br- cunning and bright, someone who went to great lengths to hide his crimes, showing that he had appreciation for the gravity of what he had done. Mm-hmm. Um, he also chose victims that would be harder to, that would take longer to be noticed as missing, 
um, noting that they had these drug problems and kind of lived on the street. And so they weren't in contact with their, most of them weren't in contact with their immediate family very often. He also dumped the bodies far enough apart to make it difficult to connect. He showed that, or they also showed that he was a sexual sadist and kept trophies for sexual gratification later after the kills, reliving them. Um, on the other hand, the defense argued that Rifkin was a paranoid schizophrenic, incapable of considering the consequences of his actions, that he was laboring so hard under such a terrible disease that he there was no way that he could understand that it was... This is what they say. I don't even understand how they tried to cover I don't that. agree with that at yeah. all. Because I know, I'm like, <laughs> the key part of not understanding what you're doing wrong is not trying to hide it. Right. Well, and if you, if he weren't an actual schizophrenic, there would have just been body parts. Like he would not have been trying like a schizophrenic. If he was actually someone who was so mentally ill that he didn't know that, that, that it wasn't okay to kill people. Then he wouldn't have tried to hide them. Then he would have just thrown them in his front yard and, mm-hmm. like, what's his face from Cleveland? That one guy just that had, just had bodies around his house. Just sitting around his house like a bucket in the head. Or yeah. Or a bucket. Like. Paint can. It's all coming back. Um. Anyway. I still don't know how we fit a head in a paint can. Like a gallon paint can? I don't know. I guess it's we just... don't know if it was a gallon. It could have been bigger. I'm sorry. Continue. I don't you know why I'm really fixated hung on up. it. Just move on. There are 17 women dead. You're really hung up on a fucking paint can right now. I don't understand the logistics, but it's fine. Just move on. This just makes no sense to me, okay? I can't even hear about the other ones because the paint no, can No, I get it, okay? Just fucking move on. I'm asking you to move on. Whatever, you're fine. I'm not having a good time. You are too. I know. <laughs> the mothers of the victims um, were there to face their daughter's killer um, when they wanted to see justice, but Rifkin also had his adoptive mother in the courtroom standing by her adopted son even though he had committed these crimes because she, in her mind, he clearly was sick if that, if he was going to do that and he was able to be as normal as he was. Right. Um, and he was, and he said something about, I never understood unconditional love until I saw that my mom was there when she found out what I did and da, 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 da. I'm like, stupid. You didn't feel it anyway. Um, Rifkin fell asleep in court multiple times. So he like, just, he's just like a straight up sociopath. He's just fucking crazy. I don't. I don't even understand. I don't get it. And the the actual trial lasted for two weeks, and then the closing ar- arguments were given. It only took the jury two hours to come back with a verdict of guilty, guilty of murder in the second degree because they were like, it's not like he necessarily planned his kills. It was kind of a grab and go. Mm-hmm. So. He got the max, though, for this. Um, minimum of 25 years, maximum of his natural life. There was no death penalty in New York at the time. He, I was like, well, I did this thing where I was like, the fuck? Why didn't he get sentenced to death? Right, and it's, got it's it. It's like, there was no death penalty, so. Mm-hmm. He pleaded guilty to eight more of the murders in the following years because they had a trial, basically just, they put all of them together and had a trial. And at the trial, the only murder, the only murder that he offered apology for was Iris Sanchez. He said that he would never understand the part of him that makes him do this. So he feels like, like he's out of control of his own actions is Mm -hmm. what he's saying. And he, he basically said, 
I'm sorry for all the pain that I've caused and he's never going to understand the part of him that, you know, yada, 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 doesn't fucking matter. The (laughs) The judge responded saying, in case there is such a thing as an as reincarnation, I want to make sure that you spend your second life in prison as well. Oh, so, shit. Sassy judge. Mm-hmm. Was this Judge Judy per chance? Right? So for these eight murders, he was sentenced to 203 years to life. Fuck yeah. So I love that it says to life at the end of it because his second life thing makes me laugh because that is literally... Like two lifetimes. Like if... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in 1994, Rifkin was part of a jailhouse, supposedly part of a jailhouse scuffle with Colin Ferguson. Kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. I just wanted to say the word. Um, Kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. Who is a mass murderer who was jailed. He started... It all started because Ferguson was on the phone and apparently Rifkin was being noisy. So he told him to be quiet. <laughs> and the fight escalated when Ferguson said... This is such a weird, like, almost playground-esque battle in a jail. He says, I killed six devils and you only killed women. And Rifkin responded, yeah, but I had more victims. (laughs) What the fuck? So Ferguson punched him in the face. (laughs) Um, Then, like, this was just one of his, like, jailhouse stories that I found. (laughs) Does it? It sounds like a fucking playground fight. And I bet you the jailers are just like, the guards are just like, oh, for fuck's sake, are you fucking, guys, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, in 1996, Rifkin was taken out of general population because his presence, being as notorious as he was, was disruptive to the other. They were trying to, like, be the toughest, you know? So, Took him out of gen pop. Yep. So they confined him to his cell for 23 hours a day. Oh. For over four years. Oh. And then he was transferred to another jail. Rifkin sued, saying that the solitary confinement was unconstitutional. And because he his argument was that I didn't do anything in jail to warrant warrant solitary confinement. It's everybody else's actions that mm-hmm. were made me go into general or to solitary. Um but in 2000, it was determined that the prison officials hadn't violated any constitutional rights. The fact that he killed a bunch of women is partially... You don't the have any yeah. rights after that. Well, as a human, no, kind of. You're not um, human. You're a monster. So he's. So this is the funniest I'm part. I'm not talking about all prisoners. I'm just talking about people like him. You're not human. You're evil. You're an evil monster. Shut the fuck up. Do your time. And become be happy that you're alive because if it was up to most bitch people in prison and shut the fuck up. Nobody yeah. cares. So he, the funniest part about this was that he was suing for fifty thousand dollars a day that he was in solitary confinement, which was one thousand five hundred and forty days, equaling seventy seven million dollars. He thought he was going to get okay. Yeah, stupid. He is now imprisoned with two hundred inmates. That are also not allowed in general pop, so it's like a a smaller division of a pl- of the. Um, it's a special gen pop, yeah, of the small pr- division of the prison that he is in now, so that he has some socializing tent like things, but it's also easier managed. So, mm-hmm. I'm gonna end it with a quote from him. Okay, <clears throat> is it uplifting? No, they were. This is just like outlines him as a human. As a person, as a thing. Um, 
they were objects, you know, I didn't even think of them as having anything else but drug habits and sex for money. In my mind, they never had families. They never had anything. See? So he's like swatting a fly is what Motherfuckers he, like that yeah. are not human. You don't have constitutional rights. Just shut the fuck up and do your time, you monster. But yeah, so that's, that... That's controversial, but you know, you're fine. That is... It's okay to have an opinion, just so everybody's aware. <laughs> okay. Um... That is the story of Joel Rifkin. I'm sure there were more details I could have found. No, there was I think a bazillion different things. Thank you. If you'd you. done more details, we probably would have had to do two episodes or like, because it would have been too much. I feel like you did a very good job of summarizing the motive and the, the means and. Thanks, friend. Doing it justice. I think you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It took me a while, but there's a lot of. Very interesting. Very muffed up. It, I just don't, I don't understand. Didn't like that. Hate well, everything about it. And even just reading the general articles, or like his, for example, I fucking hate Wikipedia for some reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is that they water everything down so much that they nobody seems like they're as bad as they actually are until you read other things. Wikipedia, like for even for like Lizzie Holiday, I start Wikipedia is my bones to get yep. like the, and then I'm like, okay, now I have to go to like 12 other articles to get the actual details of what yes. happened. Because it just sums everything up too, like, neatly in a bow for me. Like, right. Well, you- and that's exactly the, I mean, that I do the exact same thing as I use Wikipedia so that I have, like, the general outline of, like, birth. Timeline kind of thing, yeah. Earth, early adulthood, adulthood, crimes, yada yada. Yeah. And then I go into the other things. And usually, and honestly, like, good for Wikipedia. I'm not trying to, like, belittle them because they have people that edit that aren't necessarily them, but... A lot of times the information I find on there is not right. Right. It's like inconsistent with everything else. And I'm like, mm, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and go with all the other sources. Right. But so, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was a good job. You did a good job, friend. Thanks, dude. All right. Should we fucking wrap this up so we can do something else? Watch a horror movie, maybe? Oh, I'd be up for that. Let's do it. I really want to see that movie I tagged you in on Facebook, The Turning. Mm-hmm. We should it, go to that. Okay. Is, is that a thing right now? It comes out on the 24th. Okay, so not right now. No. <laughs> but we should go to it. Okay. Okay. Deal. I'm glad we planned this on the podcast so cool. everybody knows. Thanks, guys. Meet us there. Okay, bye. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Check us out on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And at, thanks for subscribing. At ISW the podcast. Send us an email, iswpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Do all the things with your things. Spread the word. Do the things with your things. Spread yourselves. Spread your legs. (laughs) (laughs) Not Bill approved. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, I gotta unlock it.